So uh, before we, we get started, I am to say that uh, this recording will be available on the GPC as a podcast on Spotify. In terms of asking questions, we are planning to have approximately 55 minutes of, of talking here. So some questions that are pre-prepared, and then we will be taking your questions in a Q&A 15 minutes uh, at approximately 10 o'clock. And these questions, you can just post them at any time in the event chat. And we have our wonderful moderator, Paul, who's going to be taking note of those questions. And if you see some, a question that you'd be really interested interested in, you can upload it. And we'll be, we'll be picking the most upvoted questions at the end of the session. And in this, in this panel here, we'll be talking about the, the daily tasks of community managers. And we'll be talking about the how community management can benefit a production some of the pitfalls in community management and, and how to accommodate community managers from a production standpoint, as we do have primarily production people here in the, in the chat or in the audience, sorry. Right, so with that said, uh, my name is, uh, is Raven. I'm, I'm not particularly interesting for this particular panel. I'm just the host. I'm a, I'm a student at Albury, or I was a student at Albury University, recently a graduated master's student and now seeking to further my education on, on another production study. Dario, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself? Okay, of course. So uh, my name is Daria Ilina. I'm currently working as a community developer at Paradox Interactive in Stockholm. Um, previously, I was a team lead for various projects from mobile to console and PC games. Uh, before that, I worked a lot in the community and the customer support, and also as an IT analytics. <laughs> so that's a pretty weird mix of different disciplines. But in the end, uh, as a community manager and developer, I only benefited from all of them. And yeah, in my spare time, <laughs> as it was already mentioned, um, I love to create cosplays, play video games, uh, work out, and spend time with my cat. That was some uh, spending time with with animals is always a good time. Yes. Yeah, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Uh, to the, the Thank panel. you so much. Thank you so much for having me today. Absolutely, going to be an absolute pleasure. Racine, what you want to want to take it away from there? Of course, I would love to. I am Racine. I do a variety of work in community and diversity, equity, and inclusion. I am so sorry for the rabbit banter earlier. He's still at my feet. So if you hear me scream, that's why I have occupied myself within this industry for, I would say, probably a short amount of time in comparison to the other folk here. But I've been able to get insights into it as um, someone who works not only DI, but is BIPOC and a part of the LGBTQIA community. Um, and that's pretty much what I have to share right now. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Pleasure's all mine. Jenny, you want to talk to talk to you about yourself? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, hi, everyone. My name is Jenny. Um, I have a variety of roles. Um, I started in the industry doing social media and um, content creation. I moved into communications and community at Rose City Games. Um, where, and then uh, after that, I've transitioned now um, more into an intersection of production and community. So I'm 
a producer and community developer and co-owner at Softnut Week, which is an indie studio. And I also am a portfolio manager manager at Kowloon Nights, which is an indie game fund. So lots of production and community in my life currently. There are quite some some diverse backgrounds here, and and quite a lot of a lot of experience collected in in the three of you. I'm looking forward to to picking your brains. An absolute pleasure to have you all here. But how about we just get started, get uh, hopping right into it? So uh, the the first topic that we're gonna we're gonna be talking about are what objectives are are you working towards as community managers, and how does the accomplishment of these objectives benefit the production? And Daria, how about we start with you? If you, uh... Um, yeah, since I'm <laughs> the first one in the row. No, you're the first one <laughs> up down. Yeah, of course. So if we're talking about community managers objective, uh, I mean, we can talk a lot about the importance of some aspects of the job, such as, you know, brand management, user acquisition, sentiment analysis and reporting. But the most important thing, at least in my opinion, uh, community managers need to be super loyal to their community members first and only after that to the brand, which may sound a little bit weird, but we'll get to that later. Also, um, I mean, a lot of community managers, uh, they usually act in their best interest of the community, uh, which is kind of, you know, uh, self-explanatory considering uh, the role. And it's very important for us to produce relevant branded content, also promote user-generated content, uh, facilitate meaningful conversations uh, among the community members, resolve arguments, escalate complaints, so on and so on. And I might say that in a broader sense, the role of community manager is you know, to act as a bridge between a brand and the community. Uh, we are aiming to create because it's it's very important that we not only create a loyal audience or i don't know cater to a group of core consumers and players connected by the similar interests but we also uh, manifest what what kind of community we want to pastor and um also it's equally important for us to be the brand ambassadors and keep engaging with potential uh, players that are not maybe super invested in the product at the moment, but by building those meaningful relationships, we can help them find their place in the community. And if we're talking about my personal primary goals as a community manager and developer at the moment, um, I would say that they are not only limited to facilitating this kind of communication between players and developers, and of course, ensuring that all the KPIs are met uh, in timely fashion, but also creating safe spaces for most vulnerable community members and building meaningful relationship with gamers through friendliness, transparency, and information awareness. And I think nowadays it's especially important uh, for, for us people in marketing and community and communications to realize that um, with all this toxicity existing, especially in online uh, communities, we need to be extra careful um, by addressing uh, this kind of behavior and making sure that um, minorities, 
uh, treated especially well and always find a welcoming place among, you know, in our communities and among all the other players, because sometimes, unfortunately, and usually that happens quite a lot, those voices are not being heard as much as we want them to be. I guess, I guess that's, that's it. Hmm. Yeah, so it's about, it's about fostering this community of, of people and, and, choo and essentially choosing the dynamic and and the people that you you want to include in it. Yes. Mm, okay. Bersin, what is your what's your take on that? Yeah, I completely agree with some some of the points that Daria was mentioning in terms of fostering inclusive and safe spaces for all community members. Um, I think as well as you know, focusing less on uh, selling the game. I definitely make it a point in terms of my objectives as someone who works in community, not necessarily just as a community manager, but just fostering those spaces um, where people are feeling heard and welcomed and there's a sense of belonging, which is intrinsic to, I think, all positions relating to community and diversity, equity and inclusion, and even beyond that. Um, if we're going to talk about games that are being made, production also has that responsibility to create those games with that, that, you know, like I said, that sense of belonging. So it flows throughout the entire production timeline and, you know, us within community are kind of the aggregate of that, if that makes sense, where every, every aspect of the game and every feeling that is portrayed by that experience and, or by the organization, because you could not necessarily be working for a studio, um, those things will be put into your community and reflect within the space that you create and result in you attracting certain kinds of folks in your space and then how you curate that. Um, I think that, 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 that ramble is kind of where I stand in terms of objectives. I never join with KPIs necessarily. I always focus on more, um, I guess, Wow, the words are escaping me today. Uh, I always focus on uh, goals more centered around the community as opposed to metrics necessarily. I always try to figure out how can I create a more diverse and welcome space for a broader range of people? How can I then go about this in the most authentic way so that people can most comfortably express themselves? And how can I do this in consideration of their cultural backgrounds, racial backgrounds, ethnic, and so on? Um, how can I make this more accessible to those with disabilities? How can I make this more approachable for those with um, certain experiences like epilepsy and so on and so forth? So those are some of my goals and my objectives as someone who works in community and DEI. Okay, Let, let's actually let's stick with that for a for a hot second. So you you're talking about creating creating like a space for for a, a very wide range of people. What are what are some of the the regular tasks that that you do, or like some of the some of the methods that you have for for creating that that kind of space? Yeah, it could be something as simple as regularly engaging with the members and using uh, setting an example as as a member of the community, because you, as someone who develops a community, you are a member of the community. You set an example with the language that you use, how you interact with others. So it could even be something as simple as like saying hello to a member and opening up that space for them to freely and considerately um, speak about themselves and their experiences. 
that's one way you could do it. Um, another way is structuring your Discord. Might be, I mean, it could be something like structuring your Discord server in a way that's visually, less visually overwhelming and easy to navigate and having that server map. There's so many different things that you could do and so many different ways that you could go about it, but the simplest way to approach that is definitely being the ideal community member that you'd like to see with to add a little bit to that, um, I, and I 100% agree with Racine. Um, model, like uh, Racine was saying, modeling that behavior, regularly engaging, but also um, one thing that I think, especially with maybe smaller teams or people who aren't as experienced in community or growing a community, is being unafraid to enforce the guidelines that you set and also have those clear posted guidelines, whether it's in your Discord or if you have a community handbook so that on social media, you know um, sort of where you stand on like how you behave when community behave behaviors don't match what you value or what you want to see in your community. Um, and yeah, not being afraid to enforce that and let people firmly but kindly know that when it's not okay, what they can do to help fix it or maybe let them know the space isn't for them anymore. Um, and finally, having moderators and understanding that um, having a team of people who understand these values can be even more helpful, especially in spaces like Discord, where most often we are growing our communities, because um, if you have one community manager, they are one person. and it's not sustainable or healthy for one person to do all of that work for for a long long time that's so valid definitely having that solid moderation team and having those community guidelines in place like hey the behavior things that you should align with their community guidelines like yes please freely express yourself we love that but understand that these are the boundaries that we've set these are things that we want and and this is how you could best engage. We you're cutting out there a bit, uh, Rissy. Sorry, I should be a bit better now. Yeah, these Thanks. this is how we'd like you to best engage within our space, right? Please authentically be yourself. Be aware of the fact that certain things within our space are not acceptable. They make other folks uncomfortable, and that is where we kind of just say, hey, you might not be fit for this particular space because of these things, right? And definitely having a moderation team that understands that and is able to empathize with your community, engage with them in certain ways, definitely helps immensely with that. Completely agree with Jenny. So Jenny, I actually wanted to, to bite into that. Uh, you talked about rules and I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not much into, into community management as a, so I'm, a, I'm a prime candidate for leading this thing, but I, I've heard that having these hard rules can be can be very difficult to enforce how how are rules how how do you utilize rules in in your communities how do you how do you formulate them do you have some some guidelines yeah i i have <laughs> um so i think I, for additional context, I used to be a teacher. So a lot of teaching is understanding um, your own boundaries as a person, where you want the boundaries of your students to, to be and making sure that you consistently enforce them. So I think for, for anyone who's creating a community, whether it's on Discord or through any other space, um, having rules is very helpful. Um, I do have, I tend to be a little bit more, um, 
I guess, explicit and uh, detailed in the rules and guidelines that we create for our community. Um, I wish there was an easy way to copy and paste, but I think it'd be a word wall. <laughs> but in our in our community um, for Discord, we have a community guidelines channel, and it just has everything that I could have thought of in terms of how we'd like people to behave. And so things like um, in our Discord, we ask people to put pronouns in their nickname, um, the standards of no personal attacks or harassment, respect personal boundaries, no spam, things that you see often in a lot of discords. Um, I, What helps me, I think with one question you alluded to where it's like, how how can you enforce all of these rules? It can be hard sometimes, there's a lot of gray area, is I always, always put a statement in my community guidelines that say, essentially, if the stress with handling you regarding rules or behavior just becomes too much for anyone in our leadership team or in the community moderating team, we will just remove you. <laughs> and um, I think that has helped us a lot in terms of sometimes there are people who do sit in that gray area and they just aren't a good fit for the community. Um, and they're not breaking any rules necessarily. They're just pushing buttons and you, they know what they're doing. Um, and I think if you create any community guidelines, having that caveat, um, at least for me, that has saved me a lot of stress. And I think that can be a helpful way to get around um, feeling like you have to create a rule for every situation as well. And finally, just think of your guidelines as a living document. I have updated my guidelines many times over the years. So the community guidelines that I typically work with now are pretty different from the ones that I started when I started doing community management. I think we'll uh, we'll move on to the next topic. So Jenny, I'll, I think I'll, I'll stick with you. And so at what point in time would, would you as a community manager, manager like to be involved in the development process of a game and, and why? Uh, personally, as soon as possible. <laughs> um, if As soon as you're able to get someone from community to participate in the development, even having the opportunity to sit on development meetings, to sit on um, weekly standups, that provides your community manager with just extra content and vocabulary so they can a talk about the game in the most um, like accurate way to your community but also it helps provide them with ideas of what they can do in the future when you are able to talk about the game and if if you already have a community existing from a previous title they know who already is in your community so they can also help guide some of that development um, based on feedback they've received from previous games or um, folks that who they, you know, the type of player they know that you already attract. So, yeah, as soon as possible is my answer. <laughs> as soon as possible. So, Daria, you've, you've been working at some, some larger companies, and right now you're working at Paradox, which I would consider quite a, quite a big company. So, when have you previously been brought into the process, and how, is, how has that worked out? Uh, I think I can only agree with Jenny, and I'd say the earlier the better, of course, but it's not always possible to bring a community manager uh, during the pre-production phase, uh, which is very important, but understandably, sometimes it's quite hard, and there are not enough resources in the company to do that. Uh, but it's crucial to 
have uh, the community team members introduced to the project, at least during the active production phase, uh, not right before the release, before the game goes live, but at least to have maybe two or three months for a community a manager to prepare the adequate strategy and have enough time to actually learn more about the product if they were not able uh, to participate in the uh, stand-ups and meetings, as Jenny mentioned. And in my experience, in my personal experience, there were a lot of different situations. Uh, sometimes I was able to join the project like six months before the release, and that uh, that's an ideal uh, situation for me because it gives enough time to think about everything and start engaging with the community before the release, which is crucial sometimes for, for at least, uh, I don't know, online projects. It's very important. And the most disadvantage I, I think the, the greatest disadvantage is joining the project that's been already uh, out there for several years. And there is, I mean, there are, of course, some advantages of it as well, because the community already knows what they want. Uh, there is a core community present and you basically come to, uh, you know, almost everything prepared before you. So you don't need to do that groundwork. But at the same time, it gives you less freedom. Uh, because you actually need to adjust your own vision to what your existing community is um, actually prefers. So situations can be different, but I think we all can agree that the earlier the better. <laughs> earlier the better. That's uh, that's yeah. the unified voice. So speaking of earlier the better, Rexine, you have uh, Rexine, you've you've had like. You've been working as a freelancer, and I can I can imagine, without knowing, that you've been pulled in at some some different points in time. What have been your experience oh, yeah. with with uh, with with being put in at? I don't know whether you, you have been. Have you been put in at different points in time? I have. I have. <laughs> what's been your What's been your experiences with, with some of these these varying points? Yeah, um, while working within these, it's definitely been a, a journey in terms of the, the different points and when they don't feel it's appropriate to bring on a community manager. And I find that, yeah, I would agree the earlier, the better and how you utilize your community manager needs to definitely be reflected within the time that you bring them on. I find that a lot of um, indies will bring on their community managers later on in the process and not properly inform them where this has been let me not generalize, but this has been my experience with a handful of indies where the community manager will be brought later on in the development process and not properly informed and it's kind of a wild scramble to gather information. So if you are going to bring your community manager later on in the process to assist with development and building up that community, please ensure you have information about your game ready. Um, get a Google Drive ready, something as simple as that. Get a Google Drive ready, get a spreadsheet ready with all of the assets, get like a one pager with all of the information about the game. I know GDDs are now pretty much obsolete, but if you do have something akin to a GDD um, or a development log, anything like that, that we can ogle over to prepare ourselves when we're brought on later on, that would be fantastic, right? But ideally, as both Daria and Jenny mentioned, it would be fantastic if folks brought us on early. Um, generally for me, I've been brought on, eh, I think there have been one or two instances where I was brought on early on, but it tends to be midway or later on, and that could be a little bit chaotic if they don't properly inform you about what's happening. 
Right. So there can be some. There can definitely be some issues there. But there, there are also yeah. ways that you can, you can alleviate this by having some some assets already, already collected. Yeah, it definitely helps immensely to at least be in tune with the kind of game it is so that you can reflect that within your, your community space. So the branding, the tone of voice, everything that you could possibly need, right, can be found within some basic information about the game, which you can be provided with, and then you can structure the community as necessary. Gotcha. So let's actually move on to the next topic here, which is somewhat uh, somewhat relevant to previous topic as well. So how do you typically plan out a community community management effort? And Daria, let's start with uh, with you. What are some of the, the typical methods you utilize for planning out planning it out? Um, okay, let's try to imagine uh, some kind of a funnel and on top of it are primary KPIs that are usually quite similar for almost all projects, engagement, sentiment, acquisition, retention, um, and sometimes monetization. And the middle, we would have a community strategy that is created and tailored for uh, each individual project with the tone of voice and action points. And I think at the end of the funnel, at least for me, we would have some kind of a go-to-market plan, you know, some, some kind of tactical action plan that outlines the steps that are necessary to be taken in order for the project to succeed. And, of course, content plan, which is something, uh, I mean, it's not necessary that the community manager or community developer would be the one uh, behind the content plan. It can be social uh, media manager or, I don't know, content writer, but it's super important for community managers to take active part in creating content plan. Uh, and also we would have various community listening tools that would help us understand whether or not this go-to-market plan and content plan worked well or, or the way it was supposed to work <laughs> in our best intentions. And also our own research and final campaign results uh, that may provide new learnings and even influence the changes in the general strategy. Because I, I think it's very important to reflect uh, on every campaign uh, that you're behind of and have, have this uh, some kind of postmortems when not only you, but the whole team is gathering together and super honestly discussing the results and what can be done better next time because flexibility is actually a key to success here. Um, I hope it was pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> you, you mentioned doing some, some research and of course there's, there's post-mortems which, uh, which you do after, after the team has, has done, a, done a project. Is there any other type of research that you, you tend to, to look into? Of course, if there are any uh, complex issues uh, that were brought up by uh, the community, for example, you see a lot of active community members talking about some specific features. Uh, for example, they don't like them and they want them to be changed. But at the same time, when you're looking into various community listening tools or, I don't know, UTM campaign results, you see the completely opposite situation and it kind of makes you think, like, where is the truth? 
And this is uh, where the uh, various analytical tools come uh, to help, uh, because sometimes, uh, usually for the games that have, um, sorry, words is giving me today as well, uh, that that uh, you know have telemetry or some metrics uh, that that you can see. Uh, they they can usually help you answer those questions and show you like yeah the majority of the fan base actually uses and loves these new features. It's just the very small percentage of vocal core players who are not maybe very satisfied or don't understand how those features are supposed to work. Uh, and of course, you can also run various surveys and ask those questions directly and make your community uh, voice their concerns and, and then you will just have, you know, this summarized results that would help you and your stakeholders, mostly, you know, producers and developers to understand where you want to go next. Because sometimes, especially for a smaller project, for indie projects, I think that core community can be more important than the rest of the fan base. Um, and sometimes it's, you, you kind of need to find this, you know, common ground that would either satisfy both parties or would make a final decision that who you're going to cater to. So this is where research and uh, various <laughs> analytical tools can be very helpful. Okay. So I can actually see that we have, we've gotten a lot of new people in here. Uh, so when I made the initial announcements, it was 17 uh, listeners, and now we're up at a whopping 40. So for any, anybody who's new, uh, you can feel free to ask some questions in the event chat, and we have a moderator noting them down at the end. There's going to be a, a Q&A session where we'll take some of the most upvoted, uh, upvoted questions. So you can vote on questions by dropping a, a thumbs up. That was all. So, Jenny, you've worked with uh, with both content creators at at Indie Boost and presumably a a broad variety of gamers from different communities at Utomic, which was this subscriber based game game service. And and later you worked on some more cutesy games and some some games targeted at the LGBTQ plus community. So this is a very diverse uh, range of range of communities, I would say. So what are your experiences planning a community management effort for these diverse groups? Like what changes, if, if any, have you have you made to accommodate these different different audiences? That's a good question. Um, I think honestly, a lot of my core preparation and work stays the same because uh, I think what's really interesting and what I love about community management is it's a very highly personal, I think, I mean, any work that we do, especially in creating games feels very highly personal, but every community manager tends to have their own stamp and their own personality and um, feel that they bring to it. And I think regardless of the um, sort of the different communities I've worked with and um, I've helped sort of lead and guide, a lot of my personal values stay the same and a lot of my um, sort of strategies as a result in terms of how I foster community, how do I make sure the safe spaces feel safe, 
all of that pretty much stays the same, um, regardless of where, whether I'm working with a game that caters specifically to people who are of the LGBTQ um, plus community, or whether it's for a more broad, maybe more quote, typical gamer audience. Um, I think regardless, I will have the same values. So a lot of that um, from a personal standpoint doesn't change. Uh, I think what does change, and I think Daria noted this in particular, is maybe some of the research and personal effort that goes in in terms of um, how I prep for maybe the marketing side of things. Because community management, um, depending on your studio, either is is the marketing team for some indie studios or is working in conjunction with marketing very closely. So I think the largest difference I see is maybe in some of that marketing preparations. But from the community side, I think I personally keep it very similar. Okay. Racine, how, how, how about on your end? You had some, uh, I, I can imagine that there's sometimes, it can be a little difficult to get much of this this initial research when you get popped in from the freelance perspective. How, uh, what's, what's your take on that? Yeah, I, I think the process is relatively similar regardless of like uh, being brought on as a freelancer because a lot of indie teams that I've worked with do try to some extent to integrate uh, freelancers within the team in a way that kind of blurs the line between a contractor and a full-time employee. So it, it's still a similar process where <laughs> it's it's occasionally time intensive. Um, it can include a lot of competitive research, uh, putting together things that Daria has mentioned that are akin to more marketing-aligned research because uh, more often than not, indie teams will have marketing and community is one or marketing and communications is one so you will end up occupying both or multiple roles beyond that um so like i said it's a similar process regardless of uh, status as a freelancer still very time intensive and i really don't see um much difference between my process jenny's process or daria's process in terms of research in that regard okay well, that question, let's, uh, let's move on to the next topic. So within the gaming industry, on, on what channels have you had the most success in engaging your community? And Racine, how about we, uh, we continue with you? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. I feel like based on the communities that I tend to operate within, Discord has been a fantastic platform to utilize for engagement-based work, regardless of uh, working with game teams or not, uh, even com communities uh, that are built around organizations that focus on DI-based work. Discord has been a great platform or just collecting and engaging with and curating communities. And I find that it's one of those platforms I will often discuss as an up and coming community platform alongside Gilded, because it's the UI is very inviting. It's structured as a community platform, whereas a lot of other um, sites will be mainly focused on the social media aspect of things. And there's that very vast difference between uh, social media and community that, I mean, a lot of people might not necessarily 
um, acknowledge that difference, but there's definitely a, a broad uh, experiential difference between like being on Twitter scrolling and just following and liking and actually being present within a community space, engaging and actually building relationships with other members. So yeah, I would definitely say Discord as a platform is, is my favorite to work with and I've seen the best engagement through there. Interesting. Have you found the similar results, Jay? Yeah, I think um, Discord, honestly, do, just partially because it's one of the only platforms that people use now, like the, just the sheer popularity of it kind of has leaned it that way. But also Discord is um, just a really great place to organize community, get people in channels, like even things like this with stages now. Um, they've done a lot to really help developers of any size create a space that they can bring their community into. Um, I have been playing with some other platforms. I think Racine and I, I think talked about this the other day. Let me know if I'm misremembering, but like Gilded, um, is another platform that I think has been really interesting. And I've done some just like personal, um, research and practice and creating smaller communities on Gilded. And I think that's another potentially really good alternative that may not be as big as Discord, but offers some really cool functionality if people are looking for it. But yeah, Discord, I think is maybe one of the most um, successful spots I've found for building community. Gilded is a great platform in terms mm -hmm. of as a competitor of Discord. It's just that I feel like when they were starting out development, they definitely bombarded the platform with a lot of features, mm -hmm. um, which can be overwhelming to those that are newly or freshly approaching it. But their features are amazing. I think there's so many ways you can utilize it. I always thought it was like a combination of um, Slack, Discord, and maybe Reddit, question mark. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's got some forum things that are just really, really fun. Um, and as as a community developer and as a producer, like the ability to provide updates and all of the content sort of for your community and for the game in this space, really cool. I highly encourage you to explore it if you haven't. Now, I haven't I haven't explored much of uh, much of this, but I have. I have been been pointed in the direction that we actually do have some analytics on on Discord, and that's something. Uh, at least here on this this channel. Is that something uh, you use, Jenny or, or Racine? Yeah, 100%. Yep. Yeah, Discord analytics, um, especially in the last, I think probably for me in the last two years, I've become a little bit more um, intentional in cultivating Discord and looking at the analytics. They've released some really great um, ways like through community insights and just like the different programs that Discord has. So um, it's a really great way to just monitor engagement with your community in general. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I feel like uh, starting out, I was definitely uh, a bit put off by using Discord uh, server insights and community insights in general uh, because they were a little bit off. Um, the accuracy was questionable, but they've definitely done um, a much better job at improving that. And I feel a lot more comfortable regularly going within that space, looking at the demographic information of community members and seeing how I could better and more considerately um, relate to them within our community space. So I've definitely been more frequently using it and seeing what works, what doesn't. And as Jenny mentioned, just being more intentional about um, actually using the Discord insights to help with curating your community space. Okay. Daria, have you found any like 
do you also find find Discord to be one of the the primary primary tools that you utilize, or is there are there other tools that fall in fall in favor with you? I mean, I can only agree with Jenny and Racing because uh, Discord uh, was and is one of my favorite platforms uh, to engage with the community. But uh, usually, uh, I mean, apart from my personal preferences, uh, it heavily depends on the project and fan base preferences as well. Some, uh, let's say, older generation gamers uh, still prefer forums over Discord and Reddit, which are um, for their part, more popular among console players, for example, and vice versa. Some some platforms like Steam that mostly cater to uh, PC gaming community that's making Steam a thing in itself. You won't see a lot of console gamers in the Steam discussions, of course. And if we're talking about mobile gaming, the vast majority of the player base uh, will be using story views to leave their feedback and sometimes even talk to each other. And only a very small percentage of players will be uh, actively interacting with the brand on other social media channels. So I would say that regarding uh, our personal preferences, it's super important uh, to you mention that the audience research methods, once again, <laughs> on the early stage of the development and other phases can be super helpful uh, in identifying and uncovering who your audience truly is and what they want and what is the most uh, preferable place for them to engage with you and with each other and how many other social media platforms you want to utilize because uh, some platforms are really good if you want to increase your brand visibility but they're not necessarily uh, attract your core fan base uh, and some other platforms just give your community easier access to your brand on the pl platform that they already know and prefer over uh, anything else. And that should be taken in consideration as well, because not a lot of people are eager to jump uh, on something new and try something new. And, you know, as something that happened with Mixer before, when at first uh, people were very excited about this new platform, but then unfortunately it stopped existing and thus making some of the uh, gamers and community members think that, you know what, it's better for me to stay here uh, on this Discord server, or I don't know, engage with my uh, favorite brand on Twitter because they post those funny memes of GIFs. Uh, rather than trying something new uh, where they are unsure of what kind of um, what kind of community uh, is already there because they don't know this platform at all. So in conclusion, it depends and really researches can help you a lot to identify your core platforms that you're going to cater to the most. Yeah, I wanted to just, that's like such a good point, and I am so happy you mentioned it. The uh, The temptation to be on every platform is also very strong, because you're like, oh, there's, I don't know, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, like Twitch. Don't, I would recommend, unless you have a big team that can help perhaps sustainably do it, um, like Daria said, pick the platforms where your community already are located. Maybe if it's different from where you want to be located, pick an additional platform that you want to be to foster your community, and then maybe focus on those before expanding out. Um, and I thought her point on like 
how different people will access your community in different ways was really good. Like, I really, I personally very much love TikTok. If anyone wants to talk about using TikTok for your studio, let me know. <laughs> I, I would love to chat about that. But for me, I think in my experience, TikTok often is more great for visibility, that like top of the sales funnel, and you want to get them familiar with your game so you can go to perhaps something that's more involved where you want them to be like a discord. So I, I agree where it's, um, yeah, it's just like really cool to find where they are, where you want to be, and then maybe focus on those versus just being everywhere at once. Okay, so focused, focused, uh, focused platforming. Wait, no, that came out wrong. You, you get what I mean. Sounds good. So we're actually going to move on to the next, uh, the next topic here, and I want to want to stay on you, Daria. So you talked about these, these uh, postmortems, and and since you've you've worked at uh, Paradox, I can I can see that you could have quite a quite a few, quite a few horror stories under your belt from other projects, perhaps. So, what pitfalls have you experienced or observed when it comes to community management? Uh, I would say that uh, if we're talking about my paradox experience, uh, too many things are under uh, NDA. Oh, I'm, on oh, I'm sorry. That <laughs> <laughs> was on me. Uh, I, it doesn't have to be the paradox experience. It could be anything. Yeah, of course. I understand. And just uh, there were, I mean, when, uh, if we're talking about only community stuff, um, I would say that when, when I first saw the question, uh, I actually had the completely different way of thinking about that. But if we're talking about pitfalls as in uh, community management fails, right? Do you understand me correctly? Yeah, th things where, where new new community managers might go might go astray. Um, let me think about it for a moment. I think that um, uh, okay, let's put it like that. So. I would say that since community managers uh, usually uh, tend to need to deal with, you know, toxicity uh, on a daily basis and usually camp, as community managers work at the frontier of game development and unfortunately that sometimes leads to uh, CMs becoming easy targets for the community they are hired to take care of. Uh, that's why it's super important for the production and development to keep this in mind while making the decisions that may not only affect the sentiment and the product, but the well-being of one of their team members, key team members, could be attacked for the wrong decision that was not theirs to make. So it's, um, I can't say that it's really a pitfall that is something that's gonna haunt you forever. <laughs> As long as you work uh, as a community manager and choose to engage with the communities and you need to be extra pre prepared uh, and especially mentally prepared and you don't really need to do that unless you're 100% comfortable and realizing that that is something you can pull up and that won't, you know, really damage your relationship with the whole game development as an industry uh, because in the end of the day unfortunately uh, some of us have problems you know it's it's getting very hard uh, to continue having fun as the gamer as the 
just regular person out there who, who does enjoy games on their spare time because you tend to treat everything as, you know, your work <laughs> assignment. So sometimes for me, uh, I, I, I really do try, uh, you know, to kind of um, separate my professional life from my personal life. And I don't know, a very example, for, you're going to some gaming convention or, uh, I don't know, a large gathering, and you can choose to go there as a developer and engage with the fans, with the community and with other developers. But it's so much better for your mental uh, health to do that as a regular person, as a fan, and just get this enjoyment um, without really straining yourself to be in this work mode, in this professional mode all the time. Um, so I don't really know if that answer <laughs> answers your question, but I think that's going to be my take on that. Yeah, that's a, that's a completely reasonable take. It's it's a rather open question. So I'm actually going to move on to the next topic here to make sure that we're we're on time for the the Q and A session. So Racine, what are some of the important things for for team members slash production leaders to take into consideration in relation to community management? So what are what are perhaps some things that you would like to say to to producers and project managers? As we have quite a few of them in the audience here. Please definitely keep your community managers informed. Um, you don't need to bombard them with every little update. Like, hey, we fixed that one pixel that was off like two two years ago. You don't need to do anything like that. But definitely keep your community manager updated as much as you possibly can. Having as much information as we need, and definitely hearing us out when we say we need something, if possible. You know, please make sure we're we're. Uh, we have the correct information, so this could be keeping us up to date with production timelines, um, any huge production updates, even minor production updates that could be significant to our community, right? Like, I know some folks might consider maybe a new hat as like a minor addition, but the community still would like to know about new customization updates, right? So things like that, keeping us up to date with... Um, the production timeline so that we can loop our efforts around that and create that um create that excitement for the community so that they have something to look forward to each week because i had seen someone in the chat mention um keeping your community excited and that's definitely something that we love to do so keeping us well informed helps a lot with that how about you daria some things that you would like to like to say to your your production leaders Let me think. Um, I, I think that Rayson already covered one of the most important points here, so I can only <laughs> agree with her once again. But I would uh, definitely add that community manager is a valuable member of the team and should be treated as such. And community managers should be involved in decision-making process on almost all levels. Like, yes, we don't usually need to be on the same operational level as the project managers or producers, but all these other stakeholders we work in uh, close collaboration with need to understand that including us into decision-making process or asking for our feedback uh, is the least thing they can do to make sure that the product is being developed with the community's needs in mind. So please include us to your readings. <laughs> I love that. 
Oh, and definitely very important. Please fairly compensate your community managers. Super important. I second that. Mm -hmm. I'm nodding <laughs> right now. <laughs> Agree with all of this. Good. So what information could we could could a producer slash dev team provide a community manager with to set them up for success? I, I suppose Racine, you already covered covered a part of it. Like for example, a new hat, all this this kind of uh, new content. Is there other yeah. other things? Yeah, mainly just looping us into the production timeline is one of the most helpful things that um, a production team could do. I know there's a lot of separation between a lot of more established studios, but I mean, even within indies, there can be that level of um, segmentation that can sometimes be a little bit exclusionary. And it's a lot better to maybe have an organized way of delivering this information to your community manager if you don't want to let them into all of the production folders and all of the the Trellos or the the ClickUps. I personally prefer ClickUp or the Notions, whatever it is. At least maybe. A, a nice long email similar to a newsletter each week for an updates and informations for that week. It, 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 it does wonders, right? I could definitely see how, how that could be, be a huge help. Have, Jenny, have you found something which, uh, which, which you prefer in, in terms of information updates, something in particular? Um, yeah, I think having, like Racine already said, having those like weekly sort of notes and updates really helps. Um, having it in written form is just nice. And it's I think it's good for everyone on the team. It's really nice to be able to see like what you've done that week, what things have been added. Um, what I found is just personally really helpful is that ability to sit in on meetings and take notes for myself. Um, because I, I think Racine also alluded to this, sometimes as developers, as producers, you might say something that's been updated or being worked on, and it might not seem like a thing that would be of interest to the community, to you, but as community managers, we, that's something maybe that would engage us. I think the hat example is a great one because I know lots of devs who are like, yeah, I just changed up like the hats and I added a couple of like little options for this customizable like backpack that we can put on. And all of a sudden, you know, people in the community would love to hear that because they like those details. Like I found more often than not, the communities uh, that I've worked with at least get excited about the smallest things, <laughs> almost more so than some of the big updates. So um, just, yeah echoing what everyone said, involve them as much as you can in the process, whether it's allowing them to sit in and take notes, take those notes for them and send it every week, um, and adding adding every community manager you have to whatever drive or notes that you're able to share. Information is very helpful. It's true. I, I can only repeat the same and being uh, some kind of a control freak, <laughs> which is uh, not, not, not necessarily the best way, but I really love to collect all available bits of information. And uh, sometimes uh, it can be not super obvious for uh, producers or developers that this exact piece of information would make the community super excited, as Jenny mentioned. But we do know that this is. Uh, what this is all about. So I even, uh, you know, uh, used to uh, read almost all Confluence documentation if that's available for me. I usually 
uh, like to receive the updates uh, directly to my Slack feed and even some of the Jira tickets that were sent to you uh, Q&A or to the development directly. And I need to see those updates, even though uh, that is not super relevant to my role and my position, but that actually uh, empowers me to be one step ahead of everything and be on top of my game. And to what uh, Jenny and Racine already mentioned, I would definitely love for production to provide us not only with the uh, GDDs and, I don't know, allow us to uh, be on the weekly meetings and take our notes, but also uh, quantitative and qualitative analysis that usually being done on various stages of production to measure and understand the audience, because that is one of the at least for me, key things that I keep in mind while coming up with the community strategy. And of course, content, content breakdowns in every way possible, like even if you think that it's super irrelevant or the smallest thing that not worth mentioning, mention it anyway, <laughs> we know what to do with that. Hmm. So we've actually already, already started taking a, taking a jab at these, at these community questions. These, this uh, this last one was provided by 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 Judy. So here's one from from Wilder from GamePoint. So what is the the one personality trait that a community management needs to succeed? You you talked about traits before, Daria. Maybe you should start. I I mean it would be probably super hard to choose just one trait, but if I absolutely need to choose just one, I would say that community manager should be super compassionate. And yeah, that will be one. <laughs> I mean, everything you, else. You could you could choose like two or two or three if the. Uh... I mean, I mean, being compassionate and open-minded and actually love their job, uh, because in the end of the day, you are just talking to regular people that want your attention, want to be part of the conversation, want to be recognized as uh, valuable community members. Uh, so. For me, I think it's just, you know, basic human decency, <laughs> right? And actually, we can talk about almost all soft skills here. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that maybe Jenny and Racine have better answers here. Oh, you, you picked the word that I was going to use. <laughs> uh, compassionate. Like, I think that if I had to pick one word, that is the one I would use. Um, because, yeah, it, it's, it's incredible how much soft skills are often not looked at very highly, I think, sometimes in the industry. But um, that is, it's so important to have those soft skills, those people skills to be a community manager. You have to be patient and kind and yeah, like compassionate to be able to a work with, um, not only a team who's building a game, but also interact with community members who are coming from the widest variety of situations and countries and like personal lives, you know, you are getting them and you have no idea sort of where they're coming from. <laughs> you just know that they're here and you have the unifying factor of your game. And so to be able to be compassionate when people are not on their best behaviors and trying to um, foster a safe space 
it's it's so important to have that trait. So I think that's the perfect word. <laughs> I completely I completely agree with that. I mean, I want to extend that, and I know you were only asked for one, but I want to say compassion and empathy because compassion is mainly based around. Um, uh, sympathy and concern, and I think it's super important to note and pinpoint empathy as one of those things that are very crucial and intrinsic to all community-based roles. Okay. So here's another one from, from Vladar, and it's, uh, it's quite open to, to anyone. So can you tell us a, a mistake moment, a situation which you, you handled less gracefully than you would have liked? Jenny, perhaps you you would like to start. <laughs> I'm like mistakes. I made so many. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think there have been a lot of posts that have gone, you know, that have gone live with like some one bit of information was wrong. Um, as a community manager and community developer, a lot of times my role has intersected with like press releases. So, uh, have some fun stories there of things, you know, getting sent and not having all the correct information so yeah mistakes especially when you're um writing a lot of copy i feel like can happen um i think in terms of less gracefully i think this was quite early on i think this was maybe my first community management position where there was a situation where there's a community member who was just pushing boundaries and pushing boundaries and as a first-time community manager for a company that was very small who had never had a community manager before, so there was no guidance for me, I just did not know what to do, even though in retrospect, I should have just removed this community member. And I kept trying to be nice and tried to kept keep, you know, finding ways to be, you know, conf manage this conflict. Um, and that's when I learned, like, actual kindness as a community manager is uh, sometimes making those calls of removal versus just being nice to everyone. Um, so that was definitely a learning experience. I think, oh gosh, yeah, that was probably five or six years ago. <laughs> I definitely think a lot of uh, a lot of production people in here can can relate to that. So. Daria, how about uh, how about you? No, it's uh, I mean, <laughs> probably made so many mistakes. It's very hard to uh, pick uh, something to talk about. But yeah, I mean, copy that has uh, I don't know typos <laughs> or actually uh, I don't know announcing something prematurely, especially if that's a collaboration. But the you know other partners or some third parties, and then having to delete uh, the uh, message that was already posted, and sometimes screenshotted by the community, and uh, being trolled for that for the rest of your life. So. Pulling a Tom a Tom Holland. Um, I, I I think also. Um, Maybe we're talking about some some features or guide guidelines or I don't know um, some new content that is not uh, very well explained and you yourself you know playing with uh, the build you didn't understand it quite well and sometimes uh, 
writing those guides, we do make mistakes because not all of us are like, you know, super professional gamers. We're not Q&A specialists. So it's natural that some things just, you know, slip from us. And of course, after that, you feel so ashamed <laughs> that the information was provided uh, that is, you know, not fully correct or not unfull at all. So you have to explain it to your community. Like, yeah, you know, I actually did it. I am so sorry. I will be more careful next time. And I know that you guys are so much better at this game than I am. So. <laughs> You need to forgive me for that. But yeah. Actually, I think the most, um, the, the thing that I hate the most is promising something to your community that you can't really, uh, you know, live up to this promise or can't really deliver. And this is, this, this really sucks. <laughs> no, actually, I, uh, I want to, before, before we end the panel here, I do actually want to get this this really good question in from from Paul. And Racine, do community managers work with influencers or community leaders often? And could you elaborate what you what you do in these situations? Yeah, I'd love to answer that. I also want to just quickly uh, answer the previous question. I've definitely had a lot of accidents with community, um, including the very accident that you definitely get trolled for or um definitely promising something and maybe the developers will then say actually we're gonna switch up the timelines a little bit and then you're kind of left there dealing with that wave of angry uh players just saying well actually we know more about production than you do and you said you specifically said that we we're gonna get this by x date what happened? It's so easy to build a game. Why would you do this? <laughs> yeah, but um, on to Paul's question about working with influencers or community leaders. Um, I think in the whole influencer aspect of it, it is a part of community management to some extent, but remember you also have influencer management roles. I think where it comes into play is when you have communities, um, you have like a space or a channel, for example, where uh, influencers can engage with each other or you're a community manager for a community of influencers. Um, but yeah, there, there are definitely a lot of cases where we will work with influencers because they are a part of our community. Um, and I would definitely say that community managers are community leaders that foster community, if that makes sense. Um, working with them what do you could you kind of like give it more about what you mean by uh work what would i do in these situations is this like a specific situation that you're asking about or i suppose what what you what kind of of work you you have with them when you well, do well, i guess i just answered that <laughs> yeah there, there it was okay um, i was it, just double checking <laughs> jenny do you have a a different answer for that one or something you'd like to add? Yeah, I think so. I first of all agree if you can, if you have the capacity, it's not possible for every team. Um, having an influencer manager is typically who would work with influencers in terms of campaigns um, and more of that marketing side of things. Um, and I agree if there are like community programs where you have influencers who 
um, create content consistently, you work with them very closely, that is more of what I would see the community manager, community developer doing um, versus like scheduling streams. So I think that's also kind of a difference between community person versus like influencer or maybe even marketing manager. Okay, so I can see here that there's uh, there's quite a quite a bit of support for this this question. If you could have or change one thing about your role and responsibilities to be able to do your job more effectively, efficiently, healthily, and or sustainably, what would it be? Daria, would you wanna wanna give us that one? Um, that's a very good question, but at the same time, a super hard one. Um, I wouldn't want to say that I would definitely love to have more uh, hours in a week because that's not true and overworking never does any good to anyone. Um, but I would say that if I would be given more freedom uh, of uh, speech, let's put it like that, and more freedom to uh, speak on topics that I know super relevant to my community, but not always you know, seen as the right uh, topics uh, for brands to talk about for various reasons. It doesn't really matter, uh, like we're not discussing this part here, um, but definitely being less pressured by uh, PR or, I don't know, corporate standards and be more, you know, out there, be there for your community for the most, you know, especially most vulner vulnerable members. And I mean, this year was the first time in my entire career when I was given a chance to actually celebrate Pride Month with my community and to make some assets for that. And that made my community super happy, even though some of uh, my other colleagues and other stakeholders were not super sure about how this message is uh, going to be viewed and whether or not it's going to be accepted by, by the community. But uh community managers always know like where the heart is so i was super excited to be given the opportunity to do that to actually express myself and express the support uh to my community members so being given more freedom is is definitely something that gonna make my life easier and my job more <laughs> healthy for me especially for my mental health that's a super interesting thing to hear. Jenny, have you, do you have a take on it? Something you would like to change? Um, the more time <laughs> was my, my gut reaction. Um, and I actually started, cause one of my goals this year was to find ways to make community management feel a bit more sustainable. And for any CMs who are interested or producers, um, one thing that I did that has helped my mental health immensely is setting open and close hours for our discord. Um, we are workshopping this still because we do have a community that's based primarily in very close time zones. So with an international and larger community, this may not work, but actually closing our discord and turning off the chat with a bot, um, after work hours has helped because I am not constantly worried about anything happening in the off hours. Cause if anything happens, it's always at 3 AM. Um, and setting expectations for just like, hey, 
I'm a human being. And so if I'm not answering you immediately, that's, that's because I'm a human being. Um, so that's, those are actually things that I've done to try and like make this magic dream of time being more available happen. Um, but I think honestly, the biggest, if I had a magic wand to wave is just, yeah, what Daria said in terms of trusting your CMs, not, not trying to always make PR and marketing um, sort of take the lead in terms of what happens when you are interacting with your community, but trusting CMs to know how folks will react and like what they'll be excited about and what they'll not be excited about. So, yeah. I think you have the, the final say. What would you like to change? In terms of my role, um, right now, I find uh, one of my roles extremely fulfilling, which is uh, working as the community engagement and diversity, equity, and inclusion manager at the GameHers. That role kind of combines things that I obviously, I think if I were change any anything at all i think it'd be across the spectrum of community and not ne just necessarily um, my role specifically just becomes more intrinsic to any and all community work <laughs> and just I, I as soon as jenny said mental health that also came to mind for me just creating opportunities for more comfortable within their workspaces mental health becomes mandatory and not just side issue. I think that's pretty much for me. Okay. Well, I mean, that's the, uh, that's the end of the, the Q and a session. And with that, we're, uh, we're the, the panel is over. So a huge thank you to the three of you for, for joining me here. It's been such a pleasure and thank you to, to our, our mods, our mod Paul in the, in the, in the audience. And our supporters, I I know Danny has been uh, been recording, and uh, and thank you to to all all of you, all of my all of our wonderful wonderful audience. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you, and thanks everyone for Stop the digging on the fridge. Oh God, thank you so much, and you're a great host, Raven, and thank you, Paul, for uh, moderating the chat, and thank you so much, guys, for joining uh, us mm -hmm. tonight. <laughs> Yeah, and coming and listening. Questions and uh, and this this uh, recording here, we'll we'll have a recording up on the GPC podcast, which you can find on Spotify or on the webpage. And uh, and if you have any feedback, feel free to to leave it. I I believe we have a feedback uh, a suggestions channel here and in, in the Discord. Feel free to leave any feedback uh, right there. And uh, with that, I'll uh, close it off. Thank you and uh, good night, everybody.